And there's nothing wrong with an occasional frozen pizza. If you're, if you're eating well most of the time and you have a frozen pizza, it's no big deal. I, I always say I am not the food police. We don't need that in our lives. We just need to take care of ourselves in the best way we can. Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the greater good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and deep contentment. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about Judy at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, just hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, as always, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. So let's begin. Given that this pandemic doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, I wanted to focus on how we could give ourselves the best chance of staying well by keeping our immunity strong. Our guest today is an expert in food and immunity, and she's going to talk to us about what steps we can take to help our bodies be resilient and to maximize our immunity during this time of intense stress, both emotionally and physically. Peg Doyle is an expert in the field of nutrition and lifestyle. She's also a member of the National Gerontology Academic Honor and Professional Society. A passionate clinician and educator, Peg is committed to the vital link between food and health. Her primary audience is women over age 50 who desire to live full, vibrant lives. Welcome to the show, Peg. (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so fun to have you on. I know we have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Let me just ask you as an expert in food and nutrition and health, you know, I think we all sort of have a sense that eating well is good for us, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say about how our food choices have a direct impact on our immunity. Well, they surely do, Nicole. Uh, they, uh, if if you're familiar with the uh, term microbiome, that that's been the subject of a lot of study in recent years. And the microbiome is a colony of bacteria, most of which lies in in the digestive system. And that bacteria is what influences our mood, our immunity, 
our energy and our resistance to disease. Uh, so it's vitally important that it receives the right nutrients. So the right nutrients are, as most of you would guess, are nourishing simple whole foods. The wrong foods are the highly processed foods, the um, high sugar foods. Also, in addition to food, you might include antibiotics in that um, category of uh, negative impact on the microbiome. But generally speaking, um, Quality food is what we all need, and with COVID, more than ever. I see. So I guess that's ruling out the pumpkin latte with whipped cream and um, <laughs> glazed donut with uh, cream cheese filling. Is it? <laughs> so Dunkin' Donuts isn't really uh, have our best interest necessarily. It's not the best place, no. And you know there have been so many lighthearted stories about eating and stretching waistlines uh, through the quarantine and. While it seems so appealing to go for the kinds of foods that do stretch the waistline, it's not good for our immunity. And ultimately, it's not great for our, our sense of energy and appearance and all the rest of it. So early on in the pandemic, I, I took note when I did get to a grocery store, of the shelves that were empty and they included the pizza aisle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there, there was not a pizza to be found. All the canned commercial soups were gone. So many people were confronted early on with the experience of cooking on a regular basis for the first time and it was very difficult for them. But again, it goes back to how do you want to protect yourself and your immune system is number one. So taking care of it through food and managing your stress, getting enough rest, all of it matters. Mm -hmm. So let me see if I understand this. You're saying that people because of COVID uh, who might have gone out for a lot of restaurant, fast food, takeout, had to confront, I think you said, cooking for themselves for the first time. Did I get that right? You got that right. Oh, my goodness. And so <laughs> what was your experience of that? Were you called upon to ask people how to do some basic cooking? I sure was, Nicole. And actually, for any listener who's interested you can visit my website and find on my blog a, a how-to for getting the basics down. I call it COVID-19 cuisine. Oh my gosh, I, I just love that. And <laughs> get, give us a little sneak peek into that. I know people will want to go look at your blog, but Give, give us a, you know, where it's the morning right now, um, sort of after breakfast, give us a little sneak peek of what an example of a healthy way to start the day might look like. Sure. I, I think the first thing to do is uh, be a detective for your own 
uh, source of, best source of energy. And by that, I mean some people do really well having a protein-based breakfast, while others do better having a carbohydrate-based breakfast. And I don't love using those technical terms of protein and carbohydrates so much as I do talking about real food. So for the protein type of food, that would be some eggs or some uh, some yogurt mixed with nuts and fruits and berries. And for a carbohydrate-based person, I would lean more toward something like a, a sprouted wheat muffin and and I don't mean a muffin that you'd get at Dunkin Donuts. Yes, I oh I, I yeah, I don't even think that they do sprouted wheat, but no, they they might either. say they do, but it's in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. Uh or to have some oatmeal if it's not a boiling hot day, but something that's really substantive that will carry you until lunchtime. You want energy at the start of the day, and that's how you get it from a good breakfast. You know what I find absolutely sort of revolutionary about what you just said is I think there's a lot of information out there really maybe well-meaning and people really wanted to learn this and have the best intentions but it feels like it's a one-size-fits-all like you should eat um, you know before eight or when the sun's up or when the sun's down and you should have this but I think what you're saying is it's pretty individual it truly is. And that's why we need to pay attention. That's why we shouldn't be reading or on our laptop or watching or using our cell phone while we're eating. And afterward, to pay attention to how you feel. You shouldn't feel hungry an hour after you've eaten. If you do, you haven't made the right choices or you haven't eaten enough. It's sort of one or the other. And the idea that food should be satisfying. I know when I interviewed Evelyn Triboli, you know, of intuitive eating, that's really, I think, one of her favorite words, right, is what is satisfying. And I don't mean in kind of an M&M's like, oh, super yummy, crunchy, you know, but mm -hmm. like a, a deeper satisfaction. Is that is that kind of what you're getting at as well? That's exactly what I'm getting at, Nicole. And also to get away from feeling any sense of needing to deprive yourself of food. It's really important to be satisfied with what you eat and also to get pleasure from it. I know I've had so many people through the years say, I never realized how good a good meal can be. I've always relied on sweets or salty to get my good feelings, but it never really made me feel that good. Eating well does make me feel good. So. Mm -hmm. It's Isn't it so interesting that this basic, you know, it's, it's hardwired, right? That we have taste buds for a reason. And it's so interesting that just this idea of sitting down without devices and having a proper meal, it's like, it's getting a bit well, I don't know with COVID now, that might might be different, but it's it's a bit of a rarity. 
Sadly, it is. And, and I, I like to look at the sunny side of the street, so to speak. <laughs> and I think if there's one good thing that potentially can come from COVID is that uh, going back to the to the dining room table or the kitchen table and sitting down either by yourself or with family and having a meal. And I, I think that will be the greatest gift we could expect to have from this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there have been a, certainly a lot of jokes and comments about how you have to tell your kids no screens at the table and there's a lot of harumphing and carrying on it's to be um not distracted and just doing what we're doing in the moment tasting the food enjoying each other's company um it's just not it's not an experience that it, it seems to be um something that people are unfamiliar with more and more as tech, you know, really takes over our lives. It's so true. And I, in workshops, I'll very often do an experiment with holding something like a baby carrot in, in your mouth and chewing it for 25 or even 50 times. And it's kind of a game. Mm-hmm. But what people experience from that is so much more taste, so much more texture. Um, they feel the saliva emanating in their mouths and mm-hmm. They feel it's a really lively experience that awakens you to the pleasures of food. And it, it food should be satisfying. It should be pleasurable, the experience. And to miss out on that is really tragic. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of taking your time tasting your food, looking at your food, smelling it, just enjoying it. I'm wondering if part of the challenge um, of getting your message to the masses is the technology an obstacle when you're trying to help people regain the satisfaction from food? Absolutely. Uh, It has gotten in the way terribly. And so in a very early session when I'm working with people, we work on that awareness and getting away from having technology around you while you're eating. You really cannot know how much or how little food you need if your mind is somewhere else, Mm -hmm. because your mind is very much connected with your belly Uh, The digestive system now is really regarded as our second brain. So there's continuous communication going back and forth between the digestive system and the brain if we pay attention. Mm. But if we don't, if we're reading a story or uh, just scrolling YouTubes (laughs) or whatever. Or TikToks. Yes, we miss it. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's very important information because, as you said earlier, we're all unique. Uh, We 
each have our own needs. And unless we're paying attention to them, we miss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I love that message, the mindfulness and, and the intuitive eating. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Proze, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. Now back to the show. Are, do you, are you finding that there are any special challenges for middle age and over women during COVID? I, I do. I find that uh, that age group has had a little bit more trouble with depression as opposed to stress. And by that, I mean, th they're lonely. So I'm doing a soup class on Fridays now. Uh, this will be my second Friday. And that's kind of a universal feeling like it's so nice to be connected with other people because middle-aged and older tend to be more isolated than younger people who may, at the very least, have children at home. Mm -hmm. So I think that it, the challenge really comes from finding ways to connect with others. So your, your podcast is a wonderful tool for that because I've looked through your history and you just have so many wonderful topics. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> There, it's pretty varied. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. Thank you. I, I, I try to do that. So tell me about the soup class. You've got me interested in what this is all about. Oh well, come along. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm doing it on Zoom, and uh, 
I'm doing autumn soups uh, every year in in the fall. I have a, a cleanse, um, having a cleanse in November, but I wanted to get uh, some soup recipes out there in advance. And I thought maybe it'd be fun to do it with other people. So uh, I send out a recipe at midweek. Uh, this week we're doing lentil soup. Last week we did pesto minestrone. Uh, next week we're doing Tuscan bean soup, mm. and the fourth week we're doing uh, apples, apple uh, butternut squash soup. Mm, um, I love that. That's one of my favorite soups. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So are these recipes that are tried and true um, that you found, or have you developed them in a certain way? I've tweaked each of them a little bit. Um, but, uh, they, they basically, I, what I love about soup is that every recipe has its basic ingredients. And so with the pesto minestrone, for instance, uh, it has zucchini, it has diced tomatoes, it has, um, uh, uh beans, it has, uh, let me think what else, garlic, of course, mm-hmm. onion, and uh, and broth and pesto, but what I what I always say about soups is that you can look in your refrigerator and say, wait a minute, I don't have any zucchini uh, this week, but I do have some summer squash, or I do have some beets, or something a little bit different, and you put that in too. It doesn't really matter. So, I think of soup as a soup pot as being a creation pot mm-hmm. and you just make it as you like it and the same with the spices that you put into it you mix those up and one combination might give you a middle eastern feeling and another one might give you an italian feeling but you're in charge when you're making soup and it's really fun yeah you know um I had a client once, and when she was really struggling, that's what we did. We said, it's time to make soup. <laughs> and, you know, she would just really focus on cutting the vegetables, you know, being in the present, just, and that idea of making something simple but nourishing for herself was really like the first step out of a pretty dark place. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and soup is so sensuous. The sound of it, the smell of it, mm. it it's just wonderful preparing as well as eating. So that's a, such a creative thing that you've developed. So you send them the recipe midweek and mm-hmm. then what and then how does it go from there? So they get the ingredients, and then we meet Friday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, and we make the soups together. Oh my gosh, that is so lovely. (laughs) And so you're all in this sort of the same kitchen, sort of, sharing, and that is delightful. What a great idea. It's really fun, and in the course of it, everybody has some really wonderful idea to contribute. And so it's really become very interactive and just a lot of fun. I just had my kitchen uh, completely renovated. So I was showing everybody the uh, the way I 
planned out the drawers and the cabinets and where where each of my tools are for cooking and how that makes it easier and so getting into the the structure that makes cooking a pleasure instead of a chore Mm -hmm. is part of the lesson too right right um are there particular cookbooks or uh or chefs that you are partial to some of your favorites well, there are a few chefs that I really like. I like Alton Brown. I like Ina Garten. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a local chef. His name is Dave Becker, and he has uh, two restaurants. One is Italian. The other is Middle Eastern, and he has a couple of great cookbooks. Uh, one is called Stewed, and the <laughs> other one is uh called Sweet Basil, the name of his Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful recipes and photography in those. So those are really the only cookbooks I've purchased other than community garden cookbooks in recent years because I do use the internet for finding recipes. Mm-hmm. Do you, Nicole? Yes, I use Epicurious pretty regularly, mm-hmm. but I also love the PBS Create channel. Um, so, you know, you have Patty's Table and, um, uh, you know, all the cooking shows. And it's just fun to see, you know, what people are making, like Milk Street, and just say, you know, oh, I don't think I would put that in, but the rest of it looks great, just to kind of stimulate the brain a little bit. Yes. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned cooking shows, Nicole, because I think it's a fascinating topic in that cooking shows took on such great popularity. I'm going to say a good 10 years ago, they're all over the place. Uh, There are cooking competitions as well as (laughs) demos. And I think it coincided with so many people eating out all the time. And it just has made me wonder if it's a longing uh, that hasn't made its quite its connection yet, it's a longing that people have for cooking that they're missing out on. That's such an interesting observation because, you know, I agree with you. Um, there's what I see in my practice is like people not necessarily embracing cooking as a joyful part of life. It's well, they're time starved and some of this is pre-COVID, of course. But um, and so there there it does seem to be a real gap between, you know, what people are making on TV and what people are eating and what what we're finding. And you would know this more than I do is so many meals are taken in the car now. Yes, yes. And that's really tragic. Um, I, I, I think, too, that part of what has discouraged people from cooking is the, uh, the complexity that a cooking show might, uh, might present to, uh, to someone who's not experienced in cooking. And so my mantra is, is all about a good meal in 20 minutes to a half hour max. Mm-hmm. Don't think you have to be gourmet. Uh, <laughs> gourmet isn't what will keep you healthy. And 
You need simple whole foods and you can do that easily if you have the foods in your house. It it really, as you know, it takes no time at all to saute some fresh vegetables, maybe uh, cook up a little piece of fish. Uh, I always cook my grains on the weekend so Mm -hmm. I can use them in different ways through the week. And so it, it really and truly is 15 minutes to a half hour at the most Mm-hmm. What's what are some of your favorite go to meals? My favorite meals, uh, I love to have uh, boiled brown rice with uh, with steamed broccoli. Uh, usually, I'll put a little liquid aminos on for flavor, and I'll have a piece of fish. Uh, I love salmon. In fact, I have so much salmon now in my freezer. My <laughs> freezer looks orange. <laughs> um, but uh, it cooks up so quickly. Yes. And you can dress it with different flavors. Sometimes I'll put mustard on my salmon. Uh, another time I might crush up some walnuts and put them on with a little olive oil. Just simple things and cook it up in the oven or in the summertime on the grill, and it's no time at all, and you have a great meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really, um, it is simple, it's straightforward, and so much more satisfying. Yeah. Any other um, advice you'd like to give for people who are in sort of the stuck place of, we really don't know when this pandemic is going, in fact, it's seems to be getting a lot worse right now. People are really feeling burnt out and, you know, uh, running out of their bandwidth in terms of stress management. Not, you know, this not knowing is really creating a lot of trouble with our mental health. What would you say to people who are saying, listen, I better, I better start learning to cook here um, in some way that is, you know, reliable because I don't think I'm going to be going to get takeout anytime soon. And I don't really know where to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best thing you can do is uh, really fill your pantry and refrigerator and freezer with foods that uh, you can uh Put together easily. So, for instance, in my uh, cabinets right now, I have uh, bags of lentils, I dried lentils, I have uh, barley, I have uh, brown rice, I have couscous. So I have a variety of of uh, of grains, of whole grains. I have some farro too. I'm just trying to mm. mentally go through the. Oh, cabinet. I love, I love farro. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, then I have uh, cans of uh, organic uh, diced tomatoes. I I did a big order through Costco a couple of weeks ago, and got multiple boxes of organic uh, broth, chicken broth, as Mm -hmm. well as vegetable broth. So I have that, I have the tomatoes, I have the grains, and then I'll order uh, 
online for fresh vegetables to be delivered uh, every week. So managing it that way. And then, of course, I have my fish in the freezer. Um, (laughs) And every week now, for four weeks anyway, I am making uh, four quarts of soup. So that's multiplying if I can resist giving it away every week. (laughs) (laughs) I see. So I'm building up an inventory, and I think that's the best way to do it. So you're not having to start from scratch with every single meal. What am I going to make tonight? Um, You know, that you already have the, the prep work done to a certain degree. That's really smart because I think many of us are feeling uh, less motivated than, uh, you know, than than in past. And also for the poor parents who are trying to homeschool, I don't know how they've kept their sanity, frankly. I Uh, know. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I can't even imagine at the end of the day, if they're working from home and homeschooling, they're going to say, okay, what well-balanced, beautiful, colorful meal am I going to make today? (laughs) It's like, you know, I can see where the frozen pizza comes in. Yes, yes. And there's nothing wrong with an occasional frozen pizza. Mm -hmm. If you're you're eating well most of the time Mm -hmm. and you have a frozen pizza, it's no big deal. I I always say I am not the food police. Mm -hmm. We don't need that in our lives. We just need to take care of ourselves in the best way we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to summarize, it sounds like we're really, in terms of the immunity, we're really talking about feeding the microbiome. Microbiome loves stuff that's whole and uh, loves green stuff, loves fiber, does not love uh, um, high, certainly high fructose syrup, but High carb, high sugar, is that sort of generally, do you want to add anything to that in terms of like the the summary of what the microbiome, uh, our friendly bacteria like to eat? Um, one other thing it really likes is uh, some fermented foods. So right. if you are a sauerkraut fan, mm. eat up. Mm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I try to get myself to like the kombucha, but oh yes, the, are you a fan? I'm not, uh, so <laughs> I I don't have it, but I do have um, organic apple cider vinegar every day. I have sauerkraut occasionally, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I work it that way. Kimchi yes. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not a fan of kombucha. No, I'm not as, I'm not either, but um, my son is, so we actually decided to make it, and it's not that hard to make, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then you have to drink it, which was the downside <laughs> for me. <laughs> so Peg, I love your approach. It's so uh, accessible and not overwhelming. It's so much about where we find ourselves today in terms of our energy and our focus. Um, where can people find out more about you? 
Well, I have a website. It is uh, wellness and you. Mm-hmm. That, that's the word wellness, then A N D Y O U dot com. Mm-hmm. And within that, I have a blog with lots of recipes and many articles, including more on the microbiome and on my COVID cuisine, uh, COVID-19 cuisine. So that's a way to uh, learn uh, more about me. There's also a contact sheet there and information on my book, Food Becomes You. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about uh, social? Are you also on social media? I am. I have a wellness and you page, a Facebook page mm-hmm. and uh, Twitter as well. And mm-hmm. I have Instagram, but I haven't really gotten into that. Have you, Nicole? Too? I, you know, that, <laughs> boy, how do I answer that? I, <laughs> I tried. I had a tech assistant for a while who mm-hmm. did that for me. Yes. And then I realized uh, there's got to be a limit, right? Because otherwise you're on social all the time, yes. which is not really where I want to spend my energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Much rather spend it talking to people like you and (laughs) learning more about uh, what's helpful and healthy for for folks middle-aged and over. So I had to kind of limit myself and say, where are my people? And my people are usually on Facebook, a little bit Twitter, and then Pinterest. But I just can't do it all. So I, I said to myself, listen, you know, some is better than none. For sure. And I'm with you on that. It, there's just so much today. And I I figure that with my website, with the blog posts, that's where people can really get the, the consistency because I'm posting on that regularly. Yeah, I'm really excited for people to to look at your website. And it's, it's, you know, so it's not so overwhelming. So you don't have this huge book or this, you know, huge web page about, oh, goodness, what am I gonna cook? It sounds like you've done a lot of the work for for them. Well, I hope so. And Mm -hmm. any way I can be of assistance to anyone, I'm more than happy to, uh, to chat with them. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Peg. It's really lovely to speak with you. I think this, you know, what you're doing is so helpful right now. People are desperate to to get some guidance on how to keep themselves resilient. And yes. I really appreciate what you're doing. And I hope people will uh, jump on over to your website. And it's uh, wellnessandyou.com. Yes. And I so appreciate your inviting me on to the show, Nicole. This has been pure pleasure for oh, me. I love it. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, Peg. You're welcome. Take care. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. 
Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, And I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music>